Amen. God is good. Well, it's a real privilege to have Pastor Tark speaking again uh, uh, this evening, and it's, been, it's going to be a bit of a marathon for him uh, this weekend, but he's, uh, he's a mighty man of God. I was thinking today uh, about what the Bible says about uh, Peter and John, and uh, they saw their ministry, and they said, oh, you know, they, they were astonished because these were ordinary people, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. You know, and as I think about Pastor Tark, uh, he's, a, he's an amazing man of God, and you can tell that he's a man uh, that spends time with Jesus, and, uh, and that's what makes uh, his ministry so effective and so powerful. Amen. Is everybody gone? You deserted me. Thanks, guys. All the best. <laughs> Cheers. So with that in mind, why don't we give Pastor Tark a big warm welcome as he comes to minister the word. Amen. Here we come. Here we come. Come on, give him another round. <laughs> Look, I feel a bit embarrassed that uh, the other speaker has not turned up, and so, uh, yeah, you're stuck with me. Sorry about that. It reminds me of a story of this uh, guy who turns up to a church service. And he notices it, says, uh, sits down, and he sighs, sees a speaker, and he says, oh, gosh. lady next to him turns to him and says, uh, what's the matter? And he says, that's my lecturer, old stink. I don't feel like hearing him again. And she says to her, she starts to smile, and she says, do you know who I am? I said, no. She said, I'm Mrs. Stink. <laughs> and he said, do you know who I am? He said, no. He said, praise the Lord, and he took off. <laughs> oh, gosh. So there we are. I don't think I'm all stink, but anyway. <laughs> Let's just pray, shall we? Holy Spirit, more than anything else, we welcome your presence. Lord, we thank you for the presence of those who have come here tonight. But more than that, we need your presence. And so, Holy Spirit, we send you a great invitation. We know you're here, but we just want you to know that you are so welcome in this place. We so want you in this place. We know much of the world has turned its back on you. We want you to know that we haven't, that we love you. We appreciate you. We're so grateful for you. You've done so much in our lives. Where would we be without you? So Holy Spirit, come. I just pray you'd speak to every person that's taken time to be here tonight, made the effort, they've positioned themselves, Lord, to encounter you in some way, to meet with you, to hear your voice, to have a breakthrough, have a miracle, a healing, whatever it might be. So Spirit of God, would you just come tonight and would you speak to each and every person, Holy Spirit, just hover, hover over this gathering. And as even as the word is preached, let people feel the touch of heaven. Let them sense the presence of God. Lord, let something shift in their hearts, something shift in their mind. Mindsets be broken tonight. Lord, and truth to come that will set us free. So, Father, we just thank you for what you will do here tonight. Would you... Anoint your servant. 
Lord, as he delivers what you've placed on his heart tonight, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have you ever said of your life, this is not what I expected? This is not the way I thought my life would be. Has anyone ever had that thought go through your mind? That's things happen that, gosh, where did that come from? Uh, we all have. You know, I haven't got time to tell you all my stories, but um, I never expected in one year of my ministry to face three major crises in a period of six months that almost took me out. I stand here tonight by the grace of God. I never expected this year, January 31st, that our key youth pastor would have a freak accident on site and would die during a service, 11 a.m. I know, before the 11 a.m. service, as we raced to the building and she was on her back, six, four police cars, two ambulances, paramedics, the whole shooting box was there trying to resuscitate and bring her back to life. And I watched on. Yeah. I've never really shared that publicly. And that's not my story, by the way. That's still to come. The thing that got me was I rang pastors all over the place and no one could say they've experienced that. No one. So I thought first, why her? Then being so selfish, I thought then, why me? And the thing that got me was I was a senior pastor. It was under my watch. I didn't condemn myself for it, but man, I felt bad. And so we've been passaging through that for the last months. We've had to bring in trauma counsellors, grief counsellors, and pay for counselling for any number of people. And some are still, staff are still battling through it. I don't plan to say any of this tonight, but anyway, it is, it is what it is. <clears throat> and she was um, probably one of the staff members I was closest to. Early 40s. And we just had a great connection because one of my greatest passions is the next generation. I feel the years that I have, I want to invest as much as I can. For her to be taken out was just absolute. So my point is this, not what I expected. Joseph never expected the pit and the prison, did he? Falsely accused. David never expected this mad king to be throwing javelins at him and trying to kill him. What about Mary? Never expected to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And poor old Joseph, her husband, he never expected his wife <laughs> to be pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'll be, I'm pregnant. What? <laughs> like, what? 
<laughs> I mean, how could this be? By the Holy Spirit. Like, really, he had to have an angel to come and tell him, you know? So, and <laughs> not only is she pregnant by the Holy Spirit, she's going to be the mother of God. <laughs> Who reckons that was not what he expected? I mean, it's just extraordinary. How do, how do people handle all this stuff? I mean, some of it's good stuff, but a lot of it's not good stuff. And so life takes us to unexpected places. But it's in that place that God writes an amazing story that we never thought would be ours. The test, you've heard it before, becomes a testimony. The trial becomes a triumph. And the crisis becomes a conquest. Joseph becomes like the prime minister of Egypt. We've already said David, Israel's greatest kings. Because this I know, after 40 odd years of walking with God, write this somewhere down, please. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Most of us rewrite that phrase. We edit it a little bit. We say all things except what I'm going through. You know, we just put ours as an exception for that. But I'm here to say all things. Say it with me, all things. The good, the bad, and the ugly, all things, the unexpected, work together for good for them that love God. That's a fortress in which you want to live. That's a fortress, and that's a, how I live my life. I keep saying, God, all things, and I've seen some things, faced some things, and even some things happening right now, and I still have to keep saying, God, all things work together for good for them that love God. Romans 8, 37, all these things were more in conquerors. You might want to write this down somewhere. God leads us into tunnels, not caves. What's the difference? A cave has no exit. A cave is a dead end. God never will take you there. But my goodness, he will take you into some pretty dark tunnels. But tunnels always come out. There's always light on the other side that you come through into a place where there's brightness and light. You don't stay in the tunnel. I've been in some tunnels and I thought I was never going to come out. But I'm here to tell you tonight, whatever tunnel you are in, there is light at the end of that tunnel. And you are coming through that tunnel and you will get out to the other side. That's the God that we serve, friends. He's not a God of the caves. He, well, He's with you in the cave, but He's never going to put you in a cave. But He is a God of the tunnels, and He takes you through. So I want to share with you right now uh, three things that have helped me to passage through the unexpected, especially a difficult trial. Number one is this. Question, what is the most important thing that you want to protect in your life. Think about it for a moment. Would it be your family? Your children? Your valuable assets? Maybe your home? Credit card for some young people? Your phone? More important than anything else on the planet? And we go to a lot of trouble to protect our assets. Like our home, we have fences, don't we? We have gates, we have burglar arms, all kinds of things. But the Bible talks of Something else that we need to protect more than anything else. The ultimate thing that you need to protect in your life. We're going to find it in four, Proverbs 4 verse 23, which says, Above all else, say it with me, above all else, what? Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring 
of life. The Bible says the most important thing that you have to guard in your life, especially if you're going through a trial or a difficulty, is to guard your heart. You know why? Because your life flows from your heart. Everything flows from the condition of your heart. So it is, in a sense, the most valuable thing that you have, and we need to protect it with everything that we have got. Because this is what, what I have learned, that God and the devil are both fighting for your heart every single day. They're both saying, give me your heart. Give me, God said, give me your heart. But the devil's also saying, give me your heart. When I think of the trial that Job went through, I don't think Job really cared about the kids and the cattle and the, and the family and all the devastation, the financial loss. I don't think the devil really cared about that with Job. He doesn't need any of that stuff. Do you know what he wanted from Job? He wanted Job's heart. He wanted Job to say, God is not good. He wanted, to say, he wanted Job to say that God cannot be trusted. So the devil is after your heart. God is after your heart. That's why you have to protect your heart with everything that you have got. So what I want you to do right now, put your hand on your heart. All right? And why don't we say this together? Lord Jesus, this is my most valuable possession. Help me to guard it. Help me to protect it with everything that I have and by your grace. Friend, never forget that. Because if you lose it here, you're going to lose it everywhere. We've got to guard our hearts with everything that we have. My primary calling in God was to be a missionary. When I was first saved, God spoke to me about the nations of the world. It was my, the dream of all my dreams. It's what I thought, thought about, what I look forward to and plan my life all around. I just wanted to be, I wanted, how many of you heard of Hudson Taylor? Have you heard of Hudson Taylor? Some, no, no one? Yeah, I'm sure some of you heard of it. Anyway, I always wanted to be Hudson Taylor numbers two without all the suffering. I just wanted to have his impact, but I didn't want his suffering. So he, he was my hero. He was, when I read his book, man, I just read through the night. I just absolutely gripped by this. So my early years as a Christian, I'm planning to uh, be a missionary. And so we went through Bible college, we went through some training for missionaries and all the rest of it. And so eventually there was an opportunity to us to go to the mission field in the Philippines. And uh, so we were booked and all set to go. And then we get a call from the pastor. And, uh, you know, it's always a shock when the pastor rings you up, church of 5,000 in those days. And he said, look, I'm sorry, but we've got a building program on that we have canceled at your airfares and flight to the Philippines. So we thought, okay, well, he's the boss, do what we're told. And so six months later, my wife felt this is the time to go. She felt God has spoken. So we went back to him and we said, look, we, we think that the Lord is speaking. Um, you know, would it be okay? Can we go now? And he said, no, you can't go. And he probably said, do, what do you not understand by the word no? It means no, you can't go. Anyway, we left it there. And so we went away and then he, he rings us up again. And he calls us back into the office. And we think, oh, no, we've pushed him too hard. We're in serious trouble now. We're going to get kicked out of the church. We walk into his office and he said, um, see, while you were sitting in my office last time you came in, he said, God, opened my eyes to the realm of the Spirit. And over your lives, I saw the words, the Philippines, written all over you. So even though we're not sending any missionaries out, we will send you to the Philippines. So off we went to the fulfillment of our, my greatest dream and hope and vision. So we're in the Philippines, 
a bit of an emotional night, isn't it? Hey, I think I've been preaching too much. I think. Does anyone ask, do you want to preach, Joe? Why don't you take over? Eh? <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to get through this message. Um, I don't know, sometimes I, when I share this stuff, it all comes back. Other times it's like a water off a duck's back. It's just like you're through it. But I don't think I am through it. Anyway, uh, my wife had had two miscarriages, one in, one in New Zealand and another one, I think, in the early days in the Philippines. And Anyway, in the Philippines, she's pregnant for the third time. Well, the pregnancy is an absolute disaster. So she's in bed for most of the nine months. Could only eat pretty much a bit of toast, bit by bit. She said she'd look at her ankles and legs and she, she couldn't recognise them because they'd just reduced to almost nothing, or very, very little. And she started to spiral into pretty severe depression. Panic attacks. I was grounded. Headquarters said, you've got to stay by her side. If I went to the office, she had to come with me. I couldn't leave her. That's how serious it was. And medical profession over there at that stage wasn't that helpful. So I, we thought, we both thought, well, maybe once the baby is born, you know, things will come right. Baby's born, gets worse. Very severe postnatal depression to the point she has a breakdown. So here we are, 10,000 kilometres or whatever it is, away from home, away from family, away from friends, very little support, totally ill-equipped to handle the biggest crisis of our lives. If you want to get the rest of the story, you better pray for me. <laughs> Are you all right? Yeah, okay, all right, all right. So what we did is put Jody. she was here last year, in the stroller and we walked. And we walked. And we walked. We're looking for light at the end of this tunnel. But there was no light. Just went on and on and on. Until we finally came back 
to New Zealand. And what was so hard about this was to go back to the vision of the pastor. Get back to my words, word, this is a time. We were in the dead center of God's will. The dead center. There's not an ounce of doubt in my mind that we had made a wrong step anywhere along the line. In the dead center of God's will, I'd given up being an accountant. The money we made with that, my wife was a a qualified nurse. We're both doing very well. We gave all that up to do the will of God, to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the mission fields of the world, thousands of miles away from family and friends. And then we face the biggest crisis of our lives. And my wife has a breakdown. God, can you please explain why? So we just couldn't work this out. And I think some of you, I'm sure you identify with me. We can just turn, mute me off for a moment. Can you do that while I have a blow my nose? <laughs> this is going to take a while. <laughs> the rest of it, I'm just going to skim over it, all right? So here we are. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? So I learned a principle here. I call it the mystery box. What's a mystery box? Well, the mystery box is when I said, God, I don't understand why. I stormed heaven for answers, but there were no answers. There was no explanation given. And I had to come to a realization that some questions in this life, will remain unanswered. God is under no obligation to explain why. Why? Because He is God. (laughs) I am not God. He is God. If He doesn't want to tell me why, He doesn't have to tell me why. So what I had to do is I had to take this incident in my life and I had to put it in the mystery box and say, God, I don't know. I don't understand. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. But I leave it with you. And I am going to continue to trust you for the rest of my life. I'm going to continue to follow you with every ounce of strength that you can give me. I will still go to Adelaide and I'll preach to everybody. God is good. God is faithful. God can be trusted. It pays to serve God. It pays to sacrifice for God. God, you are loving. God, you are kind. Because what I have to do, friends, is I have to base uh, my faith uh, not on my experience. uh, I couldn't couldn't base what God is like on what would happen to me or on anyone else's experience. I base it on the Word of God. And my Bible says that God is faithful. God is trustworthy. God is loving. God is kind. God is fair. God is just. He is just. He is fair. He is not unkind. He's not mean. He can be trusted. And I'll shout it from the rooftops, even though I have an episode in my life that I yet cannot explain, that I yet cannot understand why. Why in the Philippines? Why not in New Zealand? Why did it have to be like that? The other thing I had to do is I had to refuse to let that experience 
paralyze my faith. To paralyze my decision to serve God. To be a pastor. To be a leader in the body. To do what God had called me to do. Because friends, when I think back, if I had allowed that, and some of you, someone needs to hear this, if I had allowed that to paralyze my faith, friends, I wouldn't be here today doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't be able to travel around the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, this is no, but I have a radio ministry, I have a TV ministry, I have a significant church, we have campuses and all the rest of it. But the point I'm trying to make, if I had allowed that to paralyze my faith, I would have missed out on the huge future and destiny that God had planned for my life. And there's people sitting here today and you're going through the trial of your life. And I want to say to you, do not let it paralyze you because God has got great plans in store for you. He's got a great future ahead for you. Do not let this paralyze your faith. Keep on going. Keep for, going forward, friends. Don't let any negative event paralyze your faith. You know, the church I attended as a young Christian, I thank God for it, because our pastor had one signature message, and his signature message was this. It doesn't matter what you go through in your life, always keep your heart right before God. I've been following God over 40 years, friends. And I've been through the valleys and the mountains. I've been all over the place. And that's just one of the stories that I share with you tonight. But I can stand before you and stand before God tonight and to say to you, I am not bitter. I'm not disillusioned. I'm not angry. I'm sweet in my spirit. I feel that I'm, I'm sweeter today than I've ever been in my entire life. Because, friends, these things don't need to destroy you. These things don't need to take you down. In fact, they can make you a better person. They can make you what God has called you to be, friends. He is the God of the valleys. You know, he is the God of the tunnels. He is a God. If you will stick close with him, he'll bring you out into a better and a broader and a more wonderful place. As I share on this point, and I was talking to Pastor Joe this afternoon, and just a thought comes to me here. When you're in the midst of darkness, listen to the right voices. Question, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? You hear the wrong voices. If I listened to the wrong voices, friends, my faith would have been paralyzed. I would have given up the, 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 the journey that I was on. In fact, I've had people over the years come to me, not during that crisis, at other times, and say, Tark, you've got two degrees, you've got a law degree, you've got an accounting degree. What on earth are you doing serving the church on, a, a, on far less than you could be earning? You are wasting your life. That's why I'm confronted with that with someone who I highly respected. Fortunately, I was smart enough to go straight to another pastor's room and say, please pray for me. I've just heard something that I don't want to lodge in my spirit. Who are you listening to? You've got to listen to the right voices. And, you know, you know something I can't understand. Some people listen to the most ridiculous voices. You know, so, you know, you're having a trouble with your marriage. And so they go and get counsel for someone who's on their fourth marriage. Like, what is that about? Or you're having financial struggles and you go, you go and get advice from someone who's gone bust three times. Listen, tell the person next to you, listen to the right voices. Because I'm telling you, there are a lot of voices out there right now. And if you're not careful, you, you can hear one wrong voice of one sentence and it can take you down the drain. 
You've got to be really, really careful. I'll drink to that. <laughs> Listen to the right voices. Something that damages our hearts a lot is not handling an offense well. Luke 17 verse 1, he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Everyone say impossible. So what does that mean? It means you will be offended. If you haven't been offended yet, it's coming. I'm just getting you ready for it. So tell the person next to you, you will be offended. Come on, tell them nice and loud. You will be offended. It is going to happen. Not because I said it, because God said it. He said it's impossible that offenses will not come. So when you get offended, offended, don't panic and say, oh no, the world is caving in. What's happening here? Read the Bible. It's in here. It's just one of those. Who reckons Jesus got offended a few times? Right? Who reckons Paul got offended a few times? Who reckons Joseph got offended a few times? And what about poor old Jeremiah, the weeping prophet? What a terrible calling to ever have in your life. You know, and you get stuck in the dungeons and all the rest of it. So you will get offended. So you've got to forgive, all right? You've got to forgive because forgiveness is less about your past and more about your future. Forgiveness is all about your future. You know, the Mayo Clinic did some study, and these psychologists in the room will know all this stuff. But they found that people with grudges have a significantly less lifespan. Tell the person next to you, get rid of that grudge. <laughs> we want you around a bit longer. If you don't want them around so long, just say, hold on to your grudge. <laughs> yeah, I hope no husbands or wives just said that, all right? But science, science now tells us that grudges affect your well-being, your stress levels. And watch this. It keeps you from using your talents to peak performance. Isn't that amazing, eh? Grudges. So whatever you do, get rid of your grudges and set yourself free. That's number one. How to get through the trial that took us 30 minutes on that point. <laughs> but we got there. Thank you for being gracious and kind and not all crying at the same time. That was good. One crying in the house is enough. <clears throat> I always feel terrible when that happens. I just, oh, I, I, just I, try, I avoid it like the plague, but I'm not very good at avoiding it. All right, so number one was you get through a hard time, you've got to guard your heart. I'll go through the next two quite quickly. The second one is this. Refuse to let fear dictate your future. Do you know the enemy has unleashed an epidemic of fear? across the nations of the world. And so many are in the grip of fear. It's one reason some people won't come to church. It's just fear. And once we start submitting to fear, there's going to be more fears come, and we're going to get more and more fearful, and it's just going to get worse and worse. We mustn't allow it to dictate our future or our decisions. You know, to fulfill the call that God has got on your life, there will be times you will need courage. You know, Joshua, they said you're going to have the promised land, all right? And so... Three times, God says to him, uh, yeah, told him to be courageous. Three times. If God appeared to me three times and said, Dark, be courageous, be strong and very courageous, guess what? I'd be full of fear. Because yeah. I God, why are you saying that to me? I once had a prophecy. I was overseas. Oh, it was in Australia somewhere. 
probably face with happens, doesn't it? Anyway, <laughs> um, and, and the guy starts praying for me, and he starts off with, fear not. And soon he finished praying, prophesying, I was just full of fear. Because what was I not to be? Fear not about what? I don't, what's coming on? What's going to happen? Please, please do not prophesy over someone, fear not. Because you're going to fill them with fear. It's a bad prophecy. Don't do it. <laughs> he was right, though. We'd face some disasters after that. It was just terrible. Anyway, let me give you the verses. Just Joshua 1, verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Verse 9. As if he's not heard. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Imagine what was coming ahead for this guy. This is at the beginning of his ministry. This is Joshua chapter 1. This is not Joshua 15 or 16. If there's that many chapters in that Bible. I think it finishes about 16, doesn't it? So anyway, it's a terrible situation. So the 12 spies, they go and check out the land, right? And two of them said, we're able to take the land, Joshua and Caleb. And the other 10, numbers 13, 20, 32 to 33, watch this. The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We, there we saw giants. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Now think about this. There's 12 spies, all right? They all go to watch that. They all see the same land, right? They see the same giants. They see the same fortified cities. Two say we can take the land, and 10 say that we can't. What was the difference between these two groups of people? The difference was this. Joshua and Caleb, the difference was focus. It was focus. The 12 spies, they focused on the giants, okay? And Joshua and Caleb, they focused on... On God. See, they all saw the same things, but the focus was what made the difference. The ones who focused on the giants were full of fear. The ones that focused on God with Joshua and Caleb were filled with courage. And friends, I want to ask you a question tonight. With what you are going through, what circumstance you are facing tonight, where is your focus? What are you looking at? Are you focusing on the problem, the issue, the giant, whatever it might be? Or is your focus on God? Because whatever you focus on gets bigger. If you focus on the giants, they get bigger or the mountain gets bigger and bigger. If you focus on God, He gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, you have got the victory. What dominates your mind? The giant or God? You see, the story you tell yourself is the story you're going to live. Joshua and Caleb lived out their story. What was their story? We are well able to take the land, and they did. The 10, they had a different story. Their story was, we are not able to take the land, and they didn't. Some of us need to change our story. We need to change what we are anticipating in the future because we're going to live out our story, it so much is affected by what we think and what we believe will be our future. And that's what happened to these different, uh, the, the 10 spies. And uh, they needed to change their story, but they didn't. So I want to ask you a really deep question. And uh, please don't put this on the slides until I ask for it, okay? I'll, because I've got a question here for this smart group of people in Adelaide. I know you're really intelligent. How many of you, who were the two spies? 10 out of 10. Who were the 10 spies? Hmm? Hmm. Who were they? Who were, who were the ten? You don't know, do you? Let me tell you who the ten spies were. It's going to come up on the screen, I think. Have we got them there, folks? It's coming. It's coming. In Jesus' name. By the power of God and by the Holy Ghost. 
come now. I'm sure I gave them to you. I'm sure I gave them to you. This is a key moment in my message. Everything's hanging on this point. And I probably didn't send the slide through. Oh, Jesus, help me. Everyone say, tell, tell your neighbor, help him, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. All right, obviously I didn't give it to you guys. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, I take full responsibility. I'll be talking to my PA when I get back to Auckland, though. <laughs> you better send her a warning text, all right? All right, no, here we go. Let me tell you who they were. Pulte. No, no, let's start with the first one. Shamua, Shafat, Eagle, Pulte, Gadiel, Gadi, Amiel, Sether, Nabi, and Guel. What ridiculous names they are. Don't ever call your children by one of those names. Don't call your children Palti or Setha or Amila or Nabi or Guel. Don't do that. Why don't we know their names? Because they let fear dictate their future. If you want to be forgotten, let fear dictate what you do with your life, and in the future. It's the fastest way to be forgotten in Jesus' name. Never let fear stop you doing what God has called you to do. All right. One, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Hey, God's not giving you a spirit of fear. So where's your fear coming from? Good question, isn't it? We need to resist fear in Jesus' name. Amen. You can do that. I've prayed for people over the years, and I've resisted fear, and it's gone. It's, it's a spirit. You, you've got authority over fear. Drive it out in Jesus' name because it does a, a whole lot of damage in our lives. Proverbs eight twenty eight verse 1 says, A wicked flee, but no one pursues. The righteous are bold as a lion. So the devil, friends, goes around like a roaring lion. He is not a lion. He is just like a lion. We have the real lion in us. He is a lion of the tribe of Judah. He's living in you. He's living in me. And he fears nothing. He is the king of the jungle. So the devil really can't do you much damage. You know, he's like a lion. He's got false teeth. And all he can do is gum you. He goes around gumming people, but gumming doesn't really hurt us that much. Finally, the last way to get through your, this is not what I expected, is keep walking. There's a miracle in your feet. There's a miracle in your feet. Just watch this for a moment. It's not going to take long. When the children of Israel were at the Red Sea, it was not going to drown them. Listen, you are not going to drown. You hear that? You are not going to drown. Maybe someone on the balcony needs to hear that. You are not going to drown. And if you ever do feel like you're drowning, just remember, your Savior walks on water. He can come and He can rescue you. So you will not drown as you face a Red Sea in your life. Having said that, God wasn't going to carry them over the Red Sea. They had to walk. There's a miracle was in their feet. Psalm 23 verse 4 says this, I walk through 
the valley. I walk through the valley. There's only one way through the valley, and that is you've got to walk through the valley. You just have to keep walking, and if you do, God says you will get through. I've got bad news for you. There's no bus coming to pick you up. There is no train. There is no taxi. There is no aircraft. There is no helicopter coming to get you through the valley. You've got to keep walking one step at a time because there is a miracle in your feet. Tell the person next to you, there's a miracle in your feet. There really is. There's a miracle in your feet. You just got to keep walking. And all you've got to do, friends, tonight, and anyone here can do it. How many of you can take one step? Give me a wave. You can take one step. That's all you have to do. One step at a time. You don't have to leap over the sea. <laughs> you just take one step. After you take one step, you take a second step. And you take another step. And you do it one day. You do it two days. You do it three days. You do it a week. You do it a month. You, do it, you, take, you just keep walking for as long as you need to keep walking because the day is coming. I promise you that you're going to come through the valley and out the other side because the miracle is in your feet. You know, sometimes we wait for some mighty revelation, some dramatic thing to happen, and occasionally God will do that. But more often than not, we just got to keep walking. We just got to... These boots were made for walking. That's an old song, isn't it? How many of you remember that song? Yeah, I don't remember it. Just my, my friends told me about it. I'm far too young for, far too young for that. These guys know about that one, eh? <laughs> These are, this is what I'm going to do. One day at a time. One step at a time. You only have to love your children one day at a time. And all the parents said... Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Wives, you only have to love your husband one day at a time. Can you do that? No. Okay. <laughs> well, that's tough then. Sorry about that. I'm seeing a lot of this going on. <laughs> I won't say husbands, you only have to love your wife one at a time because you, you all want to do that anyway, so I don't need to mention that. Don't you? Is it the same in New Australia as in New Zealand? I'm gonna, I, was just about, I was about to say some things about Australia, but I thought, nah, I've still got to preach another message, so I better I just keep my mouth shut. I thought it was really funny, man. I was just, uh, no, 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 I'm not going to go there. No, dear, you're not going to tempt me. Uh, I'm not going to listen to the wrong voice. <laughs> Because I'll end up in trouble. <laughs> He's a good man, this guy. He really is. He's a good man. <laughs> I've just given him a contract to join us at Church Unlimited. <laughs> it's amazing. Eh? Every, every man has his price. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every man has a price. Yeah, yeah. You're still working on Adrian. Where is he? Where's Adrian? He's still there. Where are you, Adrian? You know, he's hiding now. Oh, there he is. Oh, yeah, we're close to a deal. So we're very, very close. I just got to push it out a little bit further. And I reckon by tomorrow night, there's going to be a shift in his spirit. <laughs> you thought I was going to say that spirit. No, his spirit. So we'll get him because I'm used to getting what I want. <laughs> look, moving, look, you guys are so distracting tonight. You won't even let me preach. Oh, here's another one for all the staff and... No, 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 this is for all my staff. 
You only have to go to work one day at a time. <laughs> Who's pleased about that? Hey, one day at a time. Listen. But there's a real truth here. There's a miracle in your feet. You just keep doing what you need to do. You know, a verse that I love, and this is Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. We're not going to look into it fully, but it says God's mercies are new every morning. In other words, God gives you grace for one day at a time. That's all he gives you. If you try and add tomorrow to today, you'll crash. Don't do it. You've got to put tomorrow out of your mind. You've got to say, look at what's in front of you this day. See, how many of you can get through the rest of today? Give me a wave. Oh, not many of you. You've got a problem here. How many of you can get through the rest of this day? Yeah. All right. Okay, we can. You can get through this day. So if you can get through today, you can get through tomorrow. You know, a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. And it's one step. If you start the journey, you'll get to the far end. So as uh, musicians would please come. I finish by saying this. Don't quit in the midst of your tunnel. Don't quit. Why? Because what is in you is so important. You have no idea how much God needs you. You don't have no idea how valuable you are to God. You might look at me and Joe and Lena and a few others and say, and you guys are valuable to Hold on a minute. No, no, no. We are all made in the image of God. Is that right? There's no inferior. You know, you, you, you'd go on a, in the, on a tra trains in India. There's first class, second class, third class, you know. Planes is cattle class and business class and first class and all the rest of it, right? But in the economy of God, there is no third class Christian. There's no second class Christian. We are all first class Christians. Which means this, you are so valuable to God. Please, if, if I could ever impart one thing to people, which I try and do in my church all the time, is there are seeds of greatness in you. Not in terms of the world sees greatness, but seeds of greatness in terms of what God has put in your life and what you can actually do for Him. And one of my anointings, I believe, especially back in where I based in West Auckland and Auckland and New Zealand, is to call forth the greatness in people because God makes no junk. And in every individual, there are gifts and abilities and anointings that are absolutely amazing. If we could ever call forth the greatness in people, the gifts and the callings in people, man, we would, we would, we would sweep through Adelaide. We'd bring a revival through this nation. Oh, we, we've got enough people to get this job done, folks. We just got to get the greatness, the gifts and the callings out of people. So I'm going to encourage you tonight, please do not quit because God has put too much in you to quit. And don't quit so you inspire other people not to quit. I said it this morning. I'm going to finish it with this. You were born to make it. You were born. It's, God has put it in you. He, he put everything in you to make it through whatever you are facing. 
Don't ever let the devil tell you that this is bigger than you. This is too hard for you. You're not going to make it. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You are fully equipped by God to get through everything that you are facing in your life today. It's a tunnel. You're going to come out into the light and your best days are not behind you. They are ahead of you. And so do not quit in the name of Jesus. You were born to make it. Your husband needs you to make it. Your wife needs you to make it. Your kids need you to make it. Life Church needs you to make it. My church needs me to make it. So we got to make it for the sake of so many other people. And my final statement for you tonight is this. You will make it in Jesus' name. Bow your heads for a few moments. First thing we need to just do a quick check here is, based on this message, do a heart check. How's your heart? Have you let anything in that's not quite right? An attitude? Unforgiveness? Bitterness? Resentment? Grudge? Have you let anything in? Can I remind you the most precious thing that you have is your heart. It's more precious than your home. It's more precious than your finances. It's more precious than your business. It's more precious than your ministry. It's more precious than your calling in God. It's the most precious thing, of course, next to Jesus in your life that you have. And that's why the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart. So just do a heart check right now. And if you need to make an adjustment, come on, ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I need your help here. I've let some things in that I shouldn't have. But tonight, I'm surrendering them to you, God. I give you my unforgiveness. I give you my bitterness. I give you my grudge. I give, me, give you my wrong attitude, whatever it is, just give it to him right now. Jesus doesn't condemn you. He'll never condemn you. He's a loving father, as we heard from Danny. Best thing you can do for yourself is to have your heart right before God. Number two. Do not let fear dictate your future. Is there something right now that you are refusing to do because of fear? I preach this to myself because I've faced this in recent times. Opportunities, but fear has kind of thought, well, Tuck, you're going down doing, doing that. You just don't know what might happen. And I've had to preach this message to myself. Don't let fear stop you. I'm not talking about doing something stupid or something crazy. No, no, you've got to be careful. Get wise counsel. But don't let fear stop you doing God's will is probably the better way to put it. Don't let fear stop you doing. See, the 10 spies, they let fear stop them. Oh my gosh. That was the end of their story. We never heard about them again. Joshua and Caleb, we just heard about over and over again. They let fear dictate what God was calling them to do. Number three, 
is a word to you tonight. Keep walking. Just keep walking. Look, don't, don't think about the next week, the next month, the next year. Think about today. Think about tomorrow. Because you know what? In a week's time, you're going to be a different person. In a month's time, you'll be a different person. You'll be more equipped to handle what thing that you might be worrying about right now. But in a, in a month's time, you, you, God will have given you more grace to handle the situation. The Bible says, my grace is sufficient for you. And one last thought. Would you make that decision that you're not going to quit on God? You're not going to quit on what He's called you to do. You're going to keep going. People in the house here tonight, you're on the verge of giving up. You're on the verge of quitting. Word of the Lord to you tonight. You're not, here by you're not here by chance. You're here by divine appointment. God wanted you to hear what has been said tonight. One, to guard your heart. Two, to not let fear dictate your future. Number three, to just keep walking one step at a time. Come on, let's stand together. We just allow the Holy Spirit now to really begin to do a work within our hearts. And I want to sing, uh, <clears throat> I want us to go back to God of Revival. Was, that the song? was it God of Revival? Yeah. Because um, I've also felt this is a bit different to finish this message on, but in a little while, I, I felt when I was praying this afternoon about five o'clock, God said, you, you need to do a grace moment tonight and shout grace to the mountains that these people are facing, the challenges that people are facing, the the tunnel that you might be in, we're going to shout grace. But that's just in a few minutes' time, maybe five minutes' time. But before we get to that, I just want us to, to just lift our hearts. But as we're lifting our hearts and as we're worshiping, whichever of those three points applied to you or maybe something different applied to you, maybe it's, if it was your heart that just needs fine-tuning, it's not allowing fear to dictate your future, you just need to keep walking one day at a time. You need to make a decision not to quit tonight. I want us to sing this because what we need is a revival in our hearts at the end of the day. So, team, thank you. We've seen what you can do. Tonight, oh, Lord, do it. Your power has no Come on, believe for a moment tonight. Believe for an encounter. The things you've done before. In greater measure, you will do again. Cause there's no prison wall you can't break through. No prison no wall. Mountain you can't No move. mountain. All things are possible. There's no broken body you can't raise. No soul that you can't save. All Things are possible. Come on, the darkest the night. The darkest night. You can light it up. You can light it up. You can light it up. You're the God of revival. God, revive our hearts. Let hope arise. Let hope arise. Death is overcome. You already
pray for you before we have our grace moment tonight. Holy Spirit, you've, you've gone deep tonight in many hearts. Or those who are in the dark night of the soul. Those who are in the midnight hour. Those, Lord, are struggling with the tunnel they find themselves in tonight with things they can't understand, questions that are unanswered. Lord, as you helped me through, God, I pray for every person in that category here tonight, that, Lord, you would pour in tonight your grace, the oil and the wine, your strength and your comfort, your hope. Lord, would you fill them with hope? Would you fill them with faith? Lord, would you enable them to take whatever it is they cannot understand and tonight put it in that mystery box. 
and say, Jesus, I leave it with you. I give it over to you, Jesus. I don't understand it. But Jesus, I want to know, I want you to know I still trust you. That I love you, I know you're good, you're fair, you're kind, you're just. I leave this with you tonight. Help me, Lord, not to be paralyzed. Help me not to lose my way in my walk with you, but in fact, help me to go deeper. One of the highest forms of faith is living with mystery. It's the next level of faith, living with mystery. And it's in you. You have that faith. God's given you that faith to live with mystery. So Holy Spirit, I pray, God, every person in that situation tonight, would you bless them, press down, shaken together, running over. And I pray, Lord, would you quickly bring them to a place of peace and joy and victory and overcoming, Lord, as you did for me. Lord, in your wonderful mercy and grace. Lord, I pray that those who are gripped by fear tonight, I rebuke all fear in Jesus' name. I take authority over it. Right now I speak to fear in this room and I say, go in the name of Jesus. We command you to go from every person in this room right now. Fear, leave in this room. <clears throat> leave every heart tonight. You have no right, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. <clears throat> Lord, for any who are on the brink of quitting, Lord, I put you put in a, a no-quit spirit within them. You put a, a spirit of being immovable, a spirit of continuing on, Lord, a spirit of determination, a, a spirit that refuses to give up, that refuses to quit, that will take one step at a time and will step into the great future that you have planned for them. Father, we ask these things in your precious and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Who's ready for a, a shout of grace tonight? <clears throat> Zechariah 4 verse 7. Who are you, a great mountain? What's your mountain tonight? What is it? Name it. Name it now. Tell God the mountain, whatever it is, the struggle, the battle, that you are wanting to be removed tonight. Before Zerubbabel, put your name in there. I put in there. Before Tark, you shall become a plain with shouts of grace, grace to it. Whatever it is you need to handle the situation that's before you tonight, I believe that there's going to be breakthroughs here tonight. I believe that there's going to be the power of God to move in certain situations as we shout grace 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 tonight and please do send in your testimonies let us know tell us what has happened tonight or tomorrow so we're going to shout grace you know the the role that we play here we shout it five times then the drummer has license to go everything you've got buddy i'll take full responsibility if the walls come crumbling down that's okay we'll pay for it all right grace have you, have you you got to, this is not a noise. Remember the walls of Jericho? Shout of grace, those walls came down. It's just a miracle. 
It's just a miracle. Like you got the lad. It's just, this is miracle power. This, this stuff works. I've done it so many times. It just works. I know of a family, a guy, a lady started teaching and it was a disaster. The class was just horrific. And she was ready to quit. Brand new, te- new teacher. Heard this message. Went with her husband in the room next day. Walked around. Grace, 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 grace. A few days later, the class was totally transformed. 30 years later, she's still enjoying teaching. This works, friends. What do you need to say grace to? Maybe to your work situation. Maybe to your family situation. Maybe to your marriage. Maybe to, you know, your, your finances, personal struggle, an addiction, whatever it is. My problem is I've got about 20 things I need to shout grace to. But you need to pick one. All right, maybe one. I'm going to go after three. All right, I'm just choosing three tonight, three out of my 30. But let's, if we can get one of those three, I'll be very happy. But they're, they're quite significant ones that I need. So just before we shout, I just want you to remind God of the, what you're going after tonight. I just made mine four, by the way, it's just to be honest. Just go through them again, whatever it is. So important that you, you name it. All right, you ready? Ready for this? Team's ready. And you musicians can give it everything you've got at the same time as well. We're going to give the Lord a mighty shout, a clap, and a praise. And then uh, we're going to wrap it up there and hand it back to the boss. All right, so ready? We may have to do it more than once. I'll just try and feel if we've got through. All right, so you ready? You're full of faith? Yeah. You ready for faith? You're yeah. believing for something to happen? Yeah. You're going to send a testimony in? All right, you ready for this? Okay, we're ready to go five times. All you get very similar. Just one word, grace, five times. All right, let's go on the count of three, two, one. Grace, 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 grace. Thank you, Lord, for your miracles tonight.
God is so good, amen? I love that phrase, the darkest night, He can light it up. No matter how dark the darkness seems, uh, one word, just one word from the Lord, He can light it up by His grace and for His glory. I want to thank Pastor Tark for being so open and vulnerable uh, tonight, for uh, opening up his heart and, and with us so often we think that pastors just have angels, you know, with harps sort of flying around and so on, and we have it easy. But, you know, I just want to thank Pastor Tark for sharing so openly and, you know, getting through there uh, and, and having the courage to work through uh, those things by God's grace and for His glory in Jesus' name. We have uh, another two sessions tomorrow morning, uh, starting at 9 a.m., and uh, we want to come with faith and expectation, really believe uh, that God is going to speak, continue to speak a word into our lives in the name of Jesus. We're going to see some mountains go. Anything we've shouted, grace, 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 anything can happen. <laughs> anything can happen. And uh, we're looking forward to tomorrow's sessions together as a church. God bless you. We'll see you back tomorrow morning.